Left. Right. Yo, so this is a very special episode, episode 69 of Sip Talk, where we are answering your questions. Nothing's really off limits uh, this evening while we're drinking. And uh, we compiled these through DMs and uh, mostly through Instagram and TikTok. So if you want your questions answered in the future, always hit us up that way. But today's episode is simply about answering your questions. Sit back, enjoy. And as always, thank you. Thank you very much for joining. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. This is episode 69 of Sip Talk. Uh, we have James the Bosnator Boswell out of Charleston, South Carolina, professional accountant, uh, philosopher, professional bartender, and pro referee. My name is Justin DiGiulio. I'm a business owner slash real estate broker in Manhattan. And this is episode 69. Today, we're answering your questions live on air. So if you're watching us live, feel free to submit your questions. Otherwise, uh, we get a whole list of questions today, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get started with these questions real quick after I make this drink. What do you got to drink down there? Uh, I am quick and dirty right now. I'm just going with a, a bush ice. I was I was in the middle of doing accounting right before this podcast started, and I lost track of time, so I didn't have to. I was going to make it dark and stormy, but I didn't have the time to. Well, I have. I'll show you what I got here. I got some three olives cherry vodka, my favorite uh, cherry vodka. Oh and, man, I remember your your affinity for that back like twelve years ago. Yeah, well, I saw it in the in the grocery store down here, and uh, they sell liquor in grocery stores there. No, they don't even sell beer in grocery stores here. But there's like a separate section of the grocery store. I don't know. I saw the bottle. There's opportunity, uh, and that's what I'm bringing right now. So looking forward to this. It's been a while. Uh, but I will tell you, if you are looking to make this drink, you need to mix Diet Coke. I have Pepsi Max. It's not the same, and the drink does not taste the same. But you mix Diet Coke with three olive cherry vodka, and it tastes just like cherry Coke. But you can't put regular Coke because it tastes too sweet. The flavors just don't work together. This is a great drink. Um, but the number, so I put a, a feeler out there today for uh, viewer and listener questions. And hands down, probably the question that came up about two dozen times is what's your favorite cocktail? Depends on the season. Okay. So then, well, right now it's January. What's your go-to for cocktails? So for a winter cocktail, I like something that's a little bit stronger um, and a little bit heavier. So I'm going to probably go with something whiskey or scotch-based. All right, you're at the bar right now. Bartender's in front of you. You got to come up with that order. What is it? What is it? Probably Rob Roy light on light on the vermouth, um, and, and maybe a dash of Luxardo. And what's a Rob Roy? Basically, it's a Manhattan, but made with Scotch instead of bourbon. Instead of bourbon. Aha. Um, my my go-to cocktail whenever the pressure's on at a bar was a Jack and Diet. If I get a chance to look at the cocktail menu, sometimes I'll I'll order something exciting if it looks like a good place for cocktails 
Um, otherwise, I'll do an old fashioned because that's kind of, you know, pretty standard drink for me. But if it looks like a bar where the, the bartenders are making real drinks, I'll, I'll order off the menu. Uh, I try to pick something that um, that looks good for the place. Or ask the bartender, you know, what, what he recommends over the menu. Yeah, you've got to gauge the situation. If the bar is slammed, then don't order a complicated drink. It's just a dick move. So if the bar is super busy, then order yourself a highball or 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 a beer or something that the bartender can can get out quickly and move on to the next. If it's slower or if it's a bar that specializes in craft cocktails, that's when you can kind of expand your menu. So if I'm if I'm going to a bar and I'm ordering just a quick drink, I'm usually just gonna do like bourbon on the rocks dash of bitters all right yeah but that's i mean you've got to be able to order quick and and you know if you're and that's a quick order bourbon one two three four and then dash bitters boom out if you're if you're paying 18 20 plus for a drink though you can you can pretty much order whatever you want in my opinion. yeah i'm not paying 18 or 20 dollars for a bourbon on the rocks dash of bitters no um, and, uh, I oftentimes go with straight scotch, uh, if the scotch, you know, if they have some good scotches or some of my favorites. Um, so a good spring drink. I love this for spring or early summer is a French 75. A French 75. Yeah. Okay. That, uh, you know, I just stumbled across this drink somewhere. What, what, uh, what's in it? So it's a gin-based drink. Um, the traditional recipe is gin and lemon juice, like an ounce and a half of gin, half ounce of lemon juice. Um, we shake that up over ice, um, strain it into either a champagne flute or a martini glass, and then you top it with um, sparkling wine. Champagne if you can, but um, sparkling wine, like a Prosecco is also good. Um, I personally like adding a little bit of triple sec to the mix before. So I do like half ounce to three quarter ounce triple sec ounce and a half of gin and a half ounce to maybe a, maybe three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice. The triple sec adds a nice orange note and it also sweetens the drink up a little bit. Um, and then, so you've got just kind of this citrus and floral gin drink with the sparkling and pop of champagne. And usually you'll garnish it with like a lemon twist. Never made one of those. I will have to. Let's let's get into some more of the more specific questions. Uh, let's see. Cheryl just joined and she asked a few questions. A uh, good question I thought was, and this this is probably something that you can jump on. Uh, should Congress get perks after office, or should they be forced to rejoin the workforce? So, I look at this as economic incentives, and um, one of my favorite tautologies is every system is designed to achieve the exact results that it gets. So if we look at Congress right now with it being shitty, because in Congress, probably, I don't know what its approval rating is now, but usually Congress's approval rating is somewhere between 10 and 20%. Um, it scores just barely above herpes in, in favorability rankings. Um, there's been times where herpes has actually scored higher than Congress, and I'm not making this up. <laughs> and so we can look at Congress as kind of a universally ineffective and hated institution. And we have to say, okay, well, why is that? Well, it's because of the people that are in Congress. Okay. So what kind of people want to go and be Congress people? The vast majority are going to be people that are narcissistic and self-promoting and are taking the job so that way they can use it to kind of enrich themselves outside of the job. 
mm-hmm. through campaign donations and everything else. And so part of that is because there's a lot of responsibility in the job and it's a lot of work. And for the amount of responsibility you have, the pay is actually relatively low. Uh, I'm pretty sure, I think senators make like 160 to $180,000 a year, which is a lot, sure. But when you think about, there's only 100 of them in this country and we're only paying them $180,000. I look at countries like Singapore, which has its issues, but for a lot of um, civil service and public service positions, they pay really, really high. Like teachers will make like $100,000 there. And the idea is you want to make it so that you get the best candidates for the job. And by having a high pay, it's going to attract better candidates. And it also gives you much more room to weed out the people that are not good. Because you can say the expectation is you're going to be excellent. We're paying you a lot. And if you don't meet it, we'll get rid of you because we've got lots of people that want this job. You can look at teaching in this country. When, when I was a substitute teacher for about three years, um, I got towards the end of it and I thought, all right, I need to either get my teaching certification or I need to pick a different career path. And I thought about it. And at the time, the starting wage for a South Carolina first year teacher was between twenty eight and thirty two thousand dollars a year Holy for a ton of work for something that requires a master's degree or a master's degree equivalent. Yeah. And you're not working just thirty five or forty hours a week. That might be how much time you're actually in the classroom. But when you factor in meetings after school, conversations with parents, designing lesson plans, grading papers, all the stuff that happens outside of the school day, you're really looking at 55 to 65 hours a week for eight or nine months a year. And the job never leaves you until the kids leave on the last day of school. And I just looked at it and I said, there's absolutely no way that I would take that kind of a job with that kind of responsibility for that little pay. I ended up going into hotels and making more money when I was working in hotels, not by much, but more money when I was working in hotels. And when I left the hotel at the end of my shift, unless I screwed something up royally, I didn't have to worry about the hotel for 16 more hours until I went in again. That doesn't happen with teaching. Yeah. So, yeah. To, to, so my thing is, I think that Congress should be paid more so that way we can make it much easier to enforce anti-corruption because – First of all, if you're if you're making a million or two million or five million dollars a year as a congressperson, you're much less likely to be influenced by by corrupt factors because you're now risking a much bigger salary and a much bigger pension if you get caught. Whereas right now, if you've got someone, a lobbyist or an industry group that's trying to fund your campaign or whatever for three or four million dollars and you're only making one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year, it's a lot more worth the risk to take that big money up front, because even if you lose the job, well, at two hundred thousand dollars a year, that three million is going to take you 15 years to get. So sure. it, right. you, you need to make the, a lot, the, the interest align. We got a lot of questions. But what you're saying is Congress should get more perks. And, and we should be much harsher on them. Exactly. Uh, next question, another one from Cheryl. Oh, we got a whole bunch. I tried to group them by uh, who was asking. Uh, she said friends with benefits. Is that a good idea? I'm going to attack that one. Um, no, it's a terrible idea. You can, you can, you, you either decide you want to be friends and then you can't do that, which if you're already thinking that, then it's probably not a great friendship. Um, or you're going to give a relationship a shot. But when you try to do both, they both really suffer and it just doesn't work. Um, that's simply put. 
Um, and, I've seen it work before, but it's rare. And and are they still friends? Yeah. Are you talking about yourself? <laughs> uh, so, but but it, it it changes the friendship, and if the relationship doesn't work out, you know, it ruins the friendship. So it's it's not a great idea, in my opinion. You you if it's something that you decide to engage in, you're you're basically willing to sacrifice that friendship if it doesn't work out. And that's how you have to look at it. Next that's a risk you're taking for sure. Uh, next question also from Cheryl, quick one for you was which wine are you mixing with the Calimocho? You want to go with the cheaper wine um, and on the drier side because Coke is so sweet as it is that you do not want a sweet wine because then it's just going to be way too sweet of a drink. So I generally recommend like if you open a bottle of wine, you forget about it for a couple of days and then you pour yourself a glass and it's a little bit past, it's a little bit accurate, a little bit sour or whatever. Um, Cali Mojo is not for fine wines. It's for cheaper wine, drier wine, or a good wine that has kind of aged out of its window and you still want to use it for something. Yeah, mixing wine with anything, you're probably not going with a great wine. Um, two questions from Gloria real quick. Um, and I'm going to hit you with a second question, but, uh, she asked what, uh, what do I want to improve in my business? And, uh, that was really simple. It was just on the retention. This year has been a really tough year for retention because we hire a lot of new people and they just don't make enough money, um, to last because the, because the economy is so crappy in New York right now. So, so that's especially, uh, frustrating for me is that we're losing people who could be good, but they're just not making enough money right off the bat. Next question. Um, I think this is for both of us, uh, exercise every day. What are your thoughts on exercising every day? Um, if you can do it, great. It sometimes I would say that I would say five to seven times a week, depends on what kind of exercise you're doing because there is value in building in rest days, but I mean, I try and exercise and even like, so like last night I worked all day, I was pretty tired, but I still managed to find time to do 110 sit-ups. took me 10 or 15 minutes. But if you do that every single day, that adds up. So like if you work out different parts of your body, and even if it's only just 10 or 15 minutes a day, and then when I have more time, like on the weekends, I might do an hour long or a two hour long bike ride and try and make up for the time that I wasn't able to exercise during the week. But if you exercise the same thing every single day, or whatever, you're going to wear out, you're going to be at risk of injury. I think about people that run every single day, and I don't know how they do it. Well, so the idea, but bear in mind, the idea with running is you're not looking to build the muscle. You're literally looking for your body to eat as much muscle as possible, and you're building a different, you're building slow twitch muscle versus fast twitch muscle, and that works differently in your body when, when it comes to exercise. And yeah. also, it's a cardiovascular thing, so you have to have that regular stress on your cardiovascular system because 24 hours after you have that run, your cardiovascular system starts to change. So it, you know, it depends again on the type of running you're doing. And that's why they tell you to vary the distance. And there's also, there's two different schools of thought. I did a Pavel Nermi course uh, when I was younger and that guy wanted you to run a hundred plus miles a week on a regular basis. And he was, that's know, a lot. He was a great runner and he trained great runners. And then there's, there's, obviously alternate uh, types of running as well. And there's contradicting science, if that even makes sense. You know, it's mostly. Uh, um, what I, I guess if I were to have to break down my recommendation, it would be kind of two rules, which is one, try and do something every single day. It doesn't have to be super intense. 
um, but try and do at least something active every single day. And when you're trying to do something a little bit more intense, listen to your body and go with its feedback where if it's, if you're, if you're feeling pain or something like that, then stop or back off or whatever, because powering through, it's just going to lead to injury or you're just not going to enjoy it. You're, you're entirely correct. I, uh, I, this has been a really difficult year because I enjoy running and I enjoy exercise and I injured my foot and all the gyms were closed. I don't like, I'd rather, you know, lift 300 pounds in a bench press than do 300 pushups. Um, so that's been really difficult for me to deal with. I've definitely scaled back. Whereas in the past I'm working out seven days a week, um, very exercises and sometimes twice a day when you're incorporating runs. So I haven't been doing that this year. It, it kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, next question from Marlene. She is asking for a good bourbon recommendation. Uh, I'm going to let you take that one. And then we got a relationship question. So basically, the way so I'm going to I'm going to hit like two or three different price points on bourbons. Okay. So basically, the way the questions are working right now is we have drinking cocktail questions, we have business and financial questions, we have relationship questions. Um, you know, basically most of the stuff that we talk about on the podcast, politics, nothing's really off limits, but we're here for your questions. Um, so what, uh, bourbon, um, your well bourbon, cheap bourbon. I just like, uh, Evan Williams black under 15 bucks for a seven fifty, and it's very serviceable. It's not elite by any stretch, but at that price point, it's about as good as you're going to do. I use, a um, lot. yeah. Um, at the next price point, I would say is like the $25 to $30 range. Mm -hmm. And I happen to really like um, Evan Williams single barrel. It's mm. going to be a little bit fiery, but it's got really good flavor. I recommend you water it down just a touch. But Evan Williams single barrel is really good. At, in the, the $30 to $40 range, um, Woodford is good. Bullet bourbon, I really like. Eagle Rare is another good one. Yeah. Hmm. That, I, I usually, um, and Buffalo Trace, I think is what it's I, called. I thought you were going to say Buffalo Trace, and then I like High West in that. Have not tried High West. Uh, all right. So and the next question was uh, from Marlene was, how do you know your partner is the one? And my answer to that, maybe you have a different answer on that, is you – you need to establish one. You may not know if, if, if you, you know, like there's lots of things you do that you don't know you're, you're doing right or wrong. But if you, if you want to try to work to find somebody that's going to work for you, you need to establish first what your deal breakers are and you need to weed that person out against your deal breakers as quickly as possible, right off the bat. Outside of that, there's, you know, there's things that will come up in, in life that are going to be challenging for a relationship but you need to decide if you want to work things out with that person. But at the end of the day, everybody's different. You know, you're going to, you're going to run into issues with somebody, but if you establish what your deal breakers are, and then you decide that you'll work through the other stuff, I think having deal breakers established uh, is, is basically going to tell you a relationship is worth saving because this person hit A, B, C, D through, you know, through N and the rest of the stuff you can compromise on. But I think having set deal breakers, that's, that's my biggest one. What are I, I think that's a good approach in general. My, so to answer the question directly, how do you know if your partner is the one? My answer is you, you, you don't. 
Well, that's my point is, is there certain things, but, at a, but you need to decide if it's a relationship you want to hang on to and work through the things that are issues. Cause there's always going to be issues or if you don't. And that's why if you set a high enough standard, somebody, you know. Yeah. And I think kind of going along with that there, there's danger in setting your standards too high and also setting them too low. If you set them too low, you're going to end up accepting just too many people. And then you're going to end up in relationships where you're not happy and you're never going to be able to reach kind of a next level where you're able to really form a deep personal connection with somebody because they're like, by the time you get to that point, you say, you know what, this person has all these problems that I don't want to have to deal with anymore. And then on the opposite side, if you set your standards too high, then you're going to end up missing out on some people that might actually be really good for you. And you need to be a little bit more compromising. Now, in terms of how you go about striking that balance, I'm the worst person to ask. All right. Next. You did say if you set your standards too low, you're going to uh, end up with too many people. But I typically find that's not how that works. Well, all right. I'm going to all right. I'm going to go back to my favorite movie of all time then. And I'm just going to say this. What's that? Um, and you can tell me what movie it is. Um, if you don't know what you want, you end up getting a lot of what you don't. Beats me. Fight Club. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Good movie. Uh, all right. So let's see. Next question from Valeria. Um, most unique and rare drink that you've ever had. Uh, can you answer on that one? Um, I mean, there's, there, there's plenty of bars that will have their kind of own set of cocktail lists where you're not going to be able to find those drinks anywhere else. Um, one of the ones that I had was a, a drink made in Charleston. Um, and it was dark rum, raspberry reduction sauce, um, lemon juice, and uh, a little bit of sriracha. Wild. Okay. So spicy and then it's sweet. It's kind of like, it's almost like a rum Bloody Mary, but obviously no tomato sauce, but it's got, the kind of sweet and savory notes to it and a little bit of spice. Uh, it was really good. I've, I've recreated it pretty close um, at home. Yeah. And then the other one that I like a lot is the, the Clover Club cocktail. This is a really classic drink, also with raspberry reduction sauce, by the way. Um, and that's going to be raspberry redux, gin, lemon juice, and then an egg white. Shaken? Yes. Shaken, right? Heavily shaken. Yeah. Uh, I want to keep this moving because we still got a ton of questions. Oh, you got to answer. I, yeah, I, I can't think of anything too crazy, but again, you go to. Certain... What about that snap pea drink at that Chinese place? Uh, I was going to say I've had a drink called um, the Thai Lady Boy, which was an interesting drink. Um, it just looked cool and had a funny name. And then, yeah, the Apotec down in Chinatown, it's kind of like a little speakeasy. I actually just got, Adam got me the Apotec. It's right here, this green book right over my finger. That's the Apotec cocktail book. So I, I haven't spent too, too much time because I don't have a bar set up at the new house yet. But um, once I set up a bar, I'm going to work on getting some tough to find ingredients. And but they had a really cool floral drink that had like snap peas in it. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, some of the best drinks I've ever had were from Apotec. Uh, and then, all right, next thing, next thing from Valeria, business predictions 
for 2021, I'm going to tell you from somebody who's in New York City, it's the fucking apocalypse. And every like when you see gap in financial district closing, like I, I drove, drove by the store tonight and there was a, a gap and there's just a couple of mannequins in the window and there's a sign that said, we'll miss you. And the mannequins are kind of waving. And I'm just thinking like, man, you know, all these restaurants, all these small places, all these mom and pop shops are going out of business. Gap is going out of business. This is just the fucking zombie apocalypse. Um, so I don't, you know, the rest of the country, I can't speak for. Um, but I can tell you that New York City businesses are, are crap. And I think the, the economy is really going to be hurting in, in a lot of markets. Um, so I was speaking with the, my former finance professor about this uh, about a month ago. And one of the predictions that he had, which I'd heard before, but he, he put it in, a re- in really good terms, is that events like the, the coronavirus from the last year yeah. serve as trend accelerants. Yeah. Where if there was a trend that was already happening, they will magnify both its impact and the speed at which it occurs. So brick and mortar retail was already kind of hurting and there were already signs of trouble in commercial real estate and the rental market. And also to some degree, restaurants and hospitality in terms of servers being able to have a livable wage in certain markets. Mm -hmm. And what coronavirus did is amplified all of those problems, some of which to the breaking point. Um, So I think that what we're going to see in 2021 is that trend is largely going to continue. Restaurants are going to come back largely because they have to. Um, But something that people, that's a pastime of people, you know? Right. Um, I think brick and mortar uh, retail is still going to struggle though, because people are realizing more and more that there's less of a reason to go to a store and pay extra for something that they can find online. Um, just like groceries people you know people for the longest time said of course i'm gonna go see my groceries in person and there's no way in hell i went every time i go to the store i see all these people shopping with shopping carts and they have bags already in the shopping carts and I, for the longest time i was like how do all these people get bags before they come in they're shoppers they shop for like instacart or something and yeah but i think your comparison here falls apart because like those people that are doing the remote grocery delivery or whatever are still going to a brick and mortar grocery store. I think grocery stores are going to be largely protected from this, but if I wanted to buy like the, the last time I I went clothing shopping about a month ago and some of it, I bought actually at an outlet store, but other stuff I ordered off of Amazon. So it's one of those ones where there's still a few places that it really doesn't make sense to to order online or at least or ordering online still preserves the brick and mortar aspect of it. Grocery stores aren't going to go away because even if you do online or whatever, there's still going to be a grocery store where that food is held. But I think they're going to get more factory looking they uh, might. because the way it is now, like these guys are getting in people's way and it's just, it's not very streamlined. I think they're going to change because of that. Well uh, then what an interesting concept would be is if you were to start up a grocery store venture which is basically not even open to the public. It's going to be basically a grocery warehouse specifically tailored as a delivery only service where you'll have employees at the grocery store that are just getting online orders and putting them together in bags for, and then have other employees that are basically just delivery drivers. 
and it would probably only work in larger markets like New York City. I can't see this really working in um, like suburban or rural areas. But if you've got a, if you've got enough of a locus of a population, then you could basically have a grocery store warehouse where it's where you can't even walk in off the street and buy stuff. Yeah, I, and I think that, that that's not that far away. Uh, next question. I don't want to get too, too deep into this, but it is a political question. Um, also, Valeria asks, uh, should we expect big changes with Biden or not? No. And my answer to that is no. And that's why Biden is not going to be a terrible president is because he's not going to do anything really to rock the establishment. So even if he wanted to, he couldn't. Well, why do you say that? There's so much inertia in government that is resistant to any kind of change whatsoever that even the most radical plan that Biden could come up with is going to be met with opposition forces that's going to require significant and significant and probably catastrophic compromise to the point where whatever change happens, it might be significant, but it's not going to be like huge where it, it fundamentally changes the way that this country works. Um, I can't really think of anything that's happened in the last 20 or 30 years that has been done intentionally by the government that has radically changed day-to-day -day life. Yeah, I don't think we're going to have any big changes, but I think president for president wise, is he going to be a president of big change? I don't think so. Uh, no. Next, he's going to be a president of stability and trying to just reestablish reestablish our reputation in the world uh, and see. and get things kind of back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. So next question, also from Blair, we get a lot of questions, James. So we got we got to kind of touch and go here. Meeting during coronavirus for relationships, how to, why it's difficult, uh, you know, etc. So. People that are one, if you're trying, you can't go to a bar right now. And if you're in an area where you are, can Charleston, you're in an area where you can, then just go meet people that way. And or you can wear a meet, mask, or you can meet them with a dating app. But if you know, you can if you're in an area where you can't go to bars, download some apps, start talking to some people, go hang out with them in an open space, and you know maybe you go for a walk around a mall or something like that. You keep your masks on you know, whatever. But what just hit me is, you know, a lot of people fucking don't use condoms. So like these people are, are you know, worried about wearing masks. I don't know. At the end of the day, you're, you're probably not going out with, with three, four, five, six different people a week, especially given everything that's going on. So if you go out with somebody, you know, once a week or something like that, you're not really increasing your exposure risk and, you know, and if you live at home with old people, now's the time to move because rent prices are, <laughs> rent prices are really good. Uh, next question. Uh, this is a question from Andy. I kind of like this uh, question, but I wasn't sure on an answer. What are some drinks that are associated with jobs? Like if you had to say, what does an accountant, you, you, what does an accountant pour when he goes home, when he or she goes home? What are your thoughts on that? Can you, can you think of something? Well, no, but I can come up with the, I, I can kind of answer the question sideways, which is there are certain drinks when they're ordered at a bar that will tell you about the person or their particular mood. I, okay. I like, I like this approach actually. 
Um, a couple easy ones is, I mean, um, if anybody orders just a straight shot of something or um, a Long Island iced tea. So if you order a Long Island iced tea, there's two ways to do it. If you just order, you say, yo, give me a Long Island iced tea. I'm just like, all right, you're just here to get fucked up. If you order a Long Island iced tea and you ask for it to be top shelf, you're telling me that you don't understand anything about alcohol. <laughs> because it's not a top shelf drink. You're wasting top shelf liquor on a drink that's mixed with lemon juice and fucking Coca-Cola. Oh, so no. Yeah. Um, other ones, like if you if you come in and you order just like white rum on the rocks or whatever, I'm just like, you're a problem alcoholic. <laughs> um, if you order... If you order uh, a vodka soda or something like that, then I just look at you as extremely basic. Okay. What if somebody? Um, what if what if someone orders an appletini? Um. Then you're not a drinker. What if someone orders a glass of scotch or whiskey? Um. You're one of two things. It depends on what kind of scotch you order and how you order it. Awesome. You're either pretending to be a knowledgeable drinker. Or you're a knowledgeable well, drinker. You yeah. And you're probably but, not ordering, give me a glass of whiskey. You're probably looking at the bar. And it depends on how you order it. Um, yeah. That one, it's hard It's hard to draw a conclusion off of that one because it varies. Uh, and then somebody just has, what if you order a shot? And so what if somebody walks in and orders a shot? Of depends on what you're ordering a shot of. If you're ordering a shot of either Fireball, which I don't think you really have up, up north. But if you order a shot of Fireball or Rumplemints, or to a lesser degree, um, Jameson, I assume that you work in food and Bev because those are like the three most common shots that you, that I saw ordered. Um, like Rumplemints, I still call just bartender's mouthwash. Um, <laughs> if you're ordering like a shot of whiskey of some sort, either scotch, well, you should, well, if you're ordering cheap scotch as a shot, that's fine. You don't want to do, you don't want to shoot expensive scotch i i i that when i when i get a nice glass of scotch and i get one for somebody else and the person just goes i'm just like oh wait why did i spend twenty dollars on something that i could have spent six dollars yeah exactly um, yeah and, and lisa just said now i have to worry about being judged by my bartender yes you do and that is why. well no actually the thing is this is stuff that we just do because it's entertaining to us and we notice patterns but if you're polite to us, we don't give a shit what you order. Well, it's just, although I, I would some, as a bartender, if somebody ordered like a vodka soda or something, sometimes I'd shit on the drink and be like, you ordered the most boring drink. Come on, we can do better than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, all right, so it, it depends on, on my mood and whether or not they were cute enough and thought that, and I thought I could get away with it. And so, because um, no, I, I very rarely saw dudes ordering a vodka soda. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I will agree with you. I don't. I don't think I know any guy who got that. Um, so, uh, next question from Maria: Is the economy stronger or weaker after Trump? Oh, weaker. The the all the fundamentals line up. So, like the the stock market is not the economy. Yeah, that's. I I actually when I I read the question, I knew that that's exactly what you were going to mention first. Is it a stock? Market? Um. So here, here's the statistic that I'll throw out as to why I think if I would have to sum it all up in one number. So the S&P index, which um, the ETF that tracks is called SPY. So I call it SPY. So there's, there's a metric called um, PE ratio, price to earnings. And so that's going to be if you take the earnings of a, of a stock. So let's say and, and then you break it down to its earnings per share. 
So let's say that a stock has an earnings per share of $1 per share, right? So the PE ratio is going to be, what is the price of the stock to its EPS? So if a stock has a $1 per share earnings ratio and a PE ratio of 20 to one, then that means that stock is trading at $20. 20, $20 price to $1 earnings, price to earnings, right? So historically, SPY has traded between about 17 and 23 or 24 as its PE ratio, right? Mm -hmm. um, right now, let me look it up to get the exact number, but I think it's the, right now the PE ratio is trading at about probably 32 to 34, maybe higher. Um, let me see. I can get this for you right now. PE ratio for SPY, come on. 36.89. So that means that depending on whether you use the low or the high estimate that I gave, somewhere between 50 and 100% of its historical PE ratio is what it's trading at right now, which basically means that people are paying a lot more per dollar of earnings than they have in the past. So that's price inflation. So basically it costs more to make a dollar is, is what you're saying. Right. Yes. Um, and, but there's also a lot of other economic factors that if you, if you just look at them, um, you know, without bias at all, the economy is not doing very, very well at all. And that's simply put, you can't just yeah, you, buy the Dow. That's not so, happening. Um, every week they release the unemployment figures and it's been for the last several months now, weekly unemployment figures. And these are new unemployment figures have been between 700 and 900,000. Now, back before coronavirus, the numbers were like, I don't remember the exact number, but way, way lower, like under 100,000. Um, so we are still at huge unemployment numbers. And the only reason why our unemployment index is not higher is because the way they measure it is if you stop look looking for work, you just say, screw it, I give up. I'm not even looking for work right now. You're no longer counted as unemployed. You're not counted at all. Yeah, it's 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 crazy how they do that. But again, we don't need to get into coronavirus. We don't need to get into what what the factors are. Simply put, the economy is much weaker than it was four years ago. And pretty much any number bears that out. Yeah. Um, Carol asked, "What do you do for fun now?" And I believe that's a coronavirus question. James, what do you do for fun now? Uh, the same things that I did before coronavirus, honestly. Yeah, I, me too. Just mine is going to bars. And eat, which was actually a lot of soaked up a lot of my time prior to coronavirus. Coronavirus really hasn't affected my life very much at all. Thankfully, um, I still have a job that I can do. And the things that I do for fun are like cycling, video games, other sports, golf, all of those things I can still do. Yeah. I, I mean, it really had, you know, it hasn't messed up my life really at all. It's been bad for the business, but that's it. Um, or asked favorite cocktail again. Talk about favorite cocktail. Um, have you heard Allison asked about a porn star martini? Have you heard of porn star martini? No, let me look it up. It's apparently very, so this is a new drink called the porn star martini. It's apparently very, very popular and it's completely new. I've never heard of it. It's a passion fruit and vanilla vodka flavored martini okay so here's the ingredients so ounce and a half vanilla vodka half ounce of passion fruit liqueur 
one ounce of passion fruit puree, half ounce lime, half ounce of vanilla simple syrup, two ounces of sparkling wine. So, but does that sparkling wine is an additional shot on the side, I think. Um, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it so, is. but I mean, that, that to me is not sounding like, one, it's a lot of sugar. Um, and, and two, I'm not, I'm not huge on the flavor vodka because I know I'm drinking a cherry. Vanilla vodka is not bad. I'm just not big on the flavor vodka. I, I'd rather. Yeah, as you drink your cherry vodka. I, yeah, I, I just said that. I know, um, I know. I'm just. <laughs> but again, a lot of the flavor vodka is heavy in sugar and I'd rather get flavor from something other than artificial flavor. Yeah. Know? And this is a very sugary drink because you've got sugar in the vanilla vodka. You've got a crap load of sugar in the uh, passion fruit liqueur. You've got sugar in the passion fruit puree. And then you've got another half ounce of vanilla simple syrup, which is sugar. So this is an extremely sugary drink. Yeah. Someone's, uh, I think Maria said it's galupa fruit. The fruit? I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with galupa fruit. Uh, I guess it's a passion fruit. It's a type of passion fruit. I, I guess. I don't know. It gets purple when it, it gets ripe. Uh, it, it's new to me. Uh, and then Phil asked, do you prefer relationships or being single? And I would have to answer that with it depends on who you're in a relationship with. And it also depends on where you are when you're single. Um, you know, I, I've had bad relationships and I've also had been miserable when I've been single. But, you know, it's it really depends on who you're with and, and where your head is at when you're not in a relationship. I kind of want to steal a line from Ted Alexandro. Uh, does it have to do with a bagel and a grape? No, although that's, I still use those lines, but no, he talks about being single and he says, you know, being single, it's kind of like a mix of loneliness and euphoria. Um, loneliness, those few moments before you go to bed at night and euphoria pretty much the entire rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, actually it's funny you mentioned that. I remember that. All right. So let's hit, uh, we still got a whole nother page of questions here. Gabriella asked business possibilities while you're working a 40 hour work week. So what can you do in addition to your regular job? My answer to that is one would probably be a, a kind of questionnaire about like things that you like to do and what your interests are. Mm -hmm. Then there's lots of stuff that you can do online. You know, we're doing a podcast right now there. You can do writing. There's, you know, Basically, there's a t you can do sales. I think she's looking to make money, and so far the the podcast is not really raking it in, and writing's not really known for a, a very profitable venture, except for the few people that make it. Well, you could buy and sell things. Uh, the beginning of the pandemic, I started making candles. That was very low on the cost, and I never really got into selling them. But uh, so it was just cost. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, the thing is I was experimenting, but I was also in the apartment in New York City and it just, it got really cluttered and there was candle shit all over the place. Uh, it's something I actually got an easy one here. It, it's, it's really easy to learn how to do. Um, but like if you wanted to like, and it's in the vein of selling things is teach yourself how to make pickles and then like make pickles and then sell them at a farmer's market. I think, I think if you have the time and that's why I said, I want to know, uh, 
Gabrielle, what some of your hobbies are, things you like to do, you like to make things. But yeah, you could you could bake and, and sell that stuff. And again, I don't know how scalable it is, but some people like some people get really big with selling uh, food items. But it, it really depends on you. Um, I also got to pimp this one out since it's something that I do is if you have an interest, any interest whatsoever in sports, um, you could look at officiating and pretty much any sport need, needs officials. So if there's a sport that you like, look, look into whatever the requirements are to get certified to officiate that sport and start doing that. And you can do that by most sports play on the weekends. So if you're working a 40 hour week and you've got the weekends free, you could spend three or four hours one or both days of the weekend officiating sports. Uh, so, but basically, yeah, you can get creative. If it's based on your interest. Um, and then uh, the next question Gabrielle asked uh, is, uh, is chivalry dead? And I can tell you that it is dying. I think, I think, you know, it's really men, one, men are pussies now, but two, they're pussies because their parents made them that way. And society wants them to be more pussies. So, Can I ask a question here? Sure. Is it to me or is it a general question? Primarily to you, but also in general. Okay. Is chivalry a positive thing? Uh, well, I think you, it's really, it's, it's drawing a strong divide between masculine and feminine. And it's men doing things because they're bigger and stronger and typically earn more money. And, you know, like you know you can whip you know you go on a date and you you know try to pay the bill and some women will expect that and which is chivalrous and then some will get mad and be like this is just a first date i don't know you why do you just think i can't pay and it's just like a fucking lost cause you know at the end of the day just do what you want to do if somebody likes you for it great if you want to be a pussy be a pussy who the fuck cares but if, if you want to if you want to open doors for people and they don't like it, fuck them. If you open the door anyways, you had to open the door to go through it. That's fucking life. If you want to be chivalrous, be chivalrous, whatever. Uh, but no, it's, it's a it's a touchy subject, I think, because there's so much pushback on masculinity. And, and, and I'm sure somebody's going to say, no, there's not just toxic masculinity. It's... You're, you're drawing different lines in the sand, you know, depending on which day it is. Uh, okay, uh, here's a good question. Uh, I, I couldn't think of an answer off the top of my head, but uh, Sticker said, biggest thing you did for a girl that you liked. James, can you think of anything embarrassingly obnoxious you did? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, this is one that I still get made fun of for. Okay, what, what is um, it? It's really small, but... Um, I think I was like a sophomore in college or something. And actually, I think I was a freshman. And there was this chick in one of my classes that was super cute. And like, we had a thing going on, like, very briefly, but then it fizzled out, but I was still kind of pursuing it. And we were out drinking one night. And it was towards the end of the night, it was a group of like five or six of us. And we were walking from one dorm to the other. And we happened to have like one person had uh, a box of dominoes that we had ordered and there were only like one or two slices left and this chick wanted one and the other and like the dude who was holding is like no i want to eat this one she's like i really want it i was like i'll buy it from you i paid like six dollars which is like as much as the cost of the pizza at the time for that one slice of pizza just to give it to her and um yeah it didn't work out 
<laughs> I, I, that reminded me of something that I've, I've done in the past. Uh, probably, probably not the biggest thing I've done for a girl that I, I like. But one time I left a bar and it was pouring. And not to one-up you on the dollar amount here, but I offered someone 50 bucks for their umbrella so that we, we can walk to the car and not get poured on. Um, and so, and in retrospect, probably dumb and a huge waste of money. And it was like a $4 umbrella that you can buy in a bodega. Um, but yeah, man, we do dumb shit as guys. And, and yeah, they still make fun. My, my friends still make fun of me about that one. But that, you know what? Good for you. You had the six bucks. You know, that's fine. That's fine. And you, you know, you could ganged up and said, you know, no, you don't get to have the pizza or something. I don't know. But I thought that was a nice, you didn't do anything dumb, I don't think. Older, wiser me would have said, no thanks. You can enjoy that $6 slice of pizza. Um, like, I, I don't want to think back too, too, too far and figure out something super embarrassing that I did. Um, here's a good question. Uh, Gabriella asked, if a girl asks you to order for her, drink-wise, what do you order? James? Can she taste the roofies? <laughs> uh, so I, I, would, I would start with, a, you know, I, it's difficult to just have a gen, generic drink you're going to order for a female, uh, you know, uh, that's accompanying you. So I would say, first off the bat, do you like sweet drinks or do you like, uh, you know, uh, something that tastes more like the spirit? And then what's your favorite spirit? Um, and if I'm really not getting anywhere with that, or if the, I got a little feedback there, I would then look at the drink menu and order something with lots of ingredients that's on the mix to the cocktail list. Um, you know, otherwise they're probably getting an old fashioned. Which, which you is know, not. I'm not ordering an old fashioned for a chick. <laughs> uh, well, that's yeah, and that's that's yeah, that's why I would ask questions and expect expect answers. Otherwise, it probably it depends on where we are in the night. If we're whether we're kicking off the night or we're like having a drink after dinner. Because mm -hmm. like, here's a good one for an after dinner drink, and it, it's like it's kind of a dessert drink, but it doesn't require a blender. Um, is kind of like a half ounce of each of these. So Godiva white, Godiva dark, vanilla vodka, and um, rumple mints. And you get kind of this like, um, like peppermint patty drink. Yeah, no, it sounds nice and very sweet though. It is, but it's an, it's an after dinner kind of a dessert drink. Uh, so it's supposed to be sweet. All right, and I just want to remind you guys, you're watching us right now. Thank you for watching us. Thank you for joining. If you're listening after the fact, thank you for being here. Uh, if you guys don't already follow us, please follow us. We're answering your questions. So if you have questions, throw them out there. Otherwise, even when, we're, when we have a topic that we're following, we still do try to answer the live questions. So again, thank you guys for, for being here. And we've got a few more questions we're going to run through. Um, next question is from Jess. Uh, and she said, what do successful men want? Uh, I don't know. She probably have to ask some successful men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been in that position. No, I, 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 I can, I can tell you. So there's, there's, and it's, it's two, and they're, they're just different uh, polls here. Um, some successful men want a woman of substance um, because you know, for the most part, a lot of women, you know, can be easy to get, 
and you want somebody who can provide, you, you want to be able to have a conversation with somebody and somebody that adds some depth to your life. And then the other side of that is some successful men don't want anything from a relationship and they want somebody who is um, more of a pushover and just, you know, is just there for looks and that's, and that's it. Uh, but I think it's, it's really one or the other, in, in my opinion. Um, and if we're talking purely in terms of what a successful man wants in a woman, I think I'm going to generally agree with you. I would say that the, 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 the connecting line is that every successful man wants an attractive woman to find attractive woman. Everyone's going to have a different definition. But um, my but is find is find a man who knows what he wants. If you don't know what you want, you end up with a lot that you don't. Yeah, exactly. Um, are we good to hit the next question? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, let's see. I think this one was also from Jess. Um, okay. Uh, worst date. As in worst date that I've had or worst date that I could come up with? <laughs> no, no. The worst date you, you, you've ever been on. Um, I've got a pretty good one. It's, it, uh, um, this is, I think I was back in high school actually at the time. And I, I don't, don't ask me how I met this girl, but there was a girl that lived on like out outside of like Schenectady, which if you know the Albany area, like Justin and I grew up outside of Troy and Schenectady is kind of like on the exact opposite edge of the capital region. And I met her on like instant messenger or whatever. And we had talked a whole bunch and she sent me a whole bunch of pictures and like her pictures made her look attractive. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's meet up. I'm like whatever. And so I drove all the way out to Schenectady, met up with her and her friend at a mall. And like, she didn't look anything like the pictures. Like it was just kind of like makeup was caked on and like her teeth just looked like a bombed out cityscape. <laughs> oh man. And I remember at the time I had very little experience with women. So I'm like, all right, I finally have like an opportunity with a girl that's interested or whatever. And I don't have to worry. Like, like I've got a car. She's got a place that I can go to where in business. <laughs> and I just was like, I, no, I, I can't do this. And so we're driving back to her place. And I remember that that night I was aware that there was a really big snowstorm in the forecast. It was supposed to dump like a foot and a half of snow overnight. And so we pull up to her place and she's like, Oh, I just need to like walk around the back and like get the key to unlock it or whatever, which gave me a window of about 45 seconds in the car alone. (laughs) And so I like, all right, what do I do? How, How do I pull this one off? And I remember that my parents, when I, when I was bef- right before I got my driver's license, they had told me, Hey, if you're ever in a situation that you're, you're not comfortable with or whatever, you can just give us a call and like, we can bail you out. Like we'll come pick you up or whatever. Cause we don't want you to stay in a situation where you don't feel safe. I said, okay. And for whatever reason, that conversation ran through my head really quick. And I was like, I got it. Now I'm 45 minutes away. There's no way that they're coming out to get me, but <laughs> your parents are going to pick you. Up. No, 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 no. Just, I, I've got my car there. Yeah, no, I so what I do is I, I call up my dad. And I call home, my dad answers, and he's like, hey, what's going on? I was like, hey, I'm in a situation right now I really don't want to be in. I'm not going into any more detail than that. Here's what I need you to do. He yeah. says, okay, what? I said, in about 30 seconds, maybe a minute, you need to call my cell phone and tell me that I have to come home right now because you don't want me driving in the snow. 
And he says, what? And I said, just, just do this. I'm going to argue with you. <laughs> and then you're going to say that I'm going to not, like, I'm going to lose the car or something. And if I don't come home right away, <laughs> he says, okay. So he calls me up and he does a terrible job, but it was good enough that I was like, look, I, I'm sorry. I, I really, I can't be out right now. Like I, like my parents are going to take away my car if I don't go home. It's like, I can drop where, you off wherever you need to go. But like, I got to be home within like the next hour or so. And then I never talked to her again. I felt really bad about it. But at the same time, I think I would have felt worse otherwise. Uh, I remember this story, actually. I remember the story. Um, I've, had, I've had a handful of bad dates. But one of the worst dates I had been on was being a new real estate agent, being extremely broke. And we're talking like 45 to $52 in like total assets, like maybe a little bit more, but like, but very, very little money. And, and, but I, you know, I, maybe I had like $130 or something to my name. And I went out on a date and, uh, we met at a diner, you know, diners are typically pretty inexpensive. This was a diner in Union Square called Diner, and it was known for having like models and actors working there. Um, I did not know this. I just thought it was a diner. And then she ordered the most expensive menu item. And then I ordered like French fries and chicken tenders or basically the cheapest menu item because I'm, I'm following. It's, you're in a bad place when you're on a date and you're like tallying how much this is going to cost when mm -hmm. you're on like, you, you know, you, you probably shouldn't be on that date. Uh, but I was telling how much it was going to cost. Ordered a couple of drinks, sent something back because it was I didn't like it. And But I was kind of into this girl. Um, and then, of course, I'm going to pay because it's like a second, maybe third date or something like that. So, of course, I'm going to pay. Um, and she, what money? Yeah. Well, I had, you know, I was going to pay what I could. I just, I didn't, I wasn't in a place where you go out to eat with somebody and you order a steak entree and, and fucking lobster and, and you order, you know, six drinks. I'm in a place where you basically order the burger and maybe two beers, like tops. So the fact that the entree costs more than, you know, most of my nights out was, was not a good starting point for the day. Either way, she picked at the food. She did, like, we're not even talking a full fork full in her mouth. Just kind of picked at it, pushed it around her plate. And then decided she wanted to leave. And I was like, holy fuck, that was like $76. And we didn't even eat. You didn't even eat. And she was a little drunk because she had a drink before I got there. And then she didn't eat. And she had like two more drinks. So that's three drinks. But she was a pretty skinny girl. And I could just tell she was a little buzzed. And then she wanted to go to another place nearby for drinks. And at this point, I'm like, well, if we're just going for drinks, like that's going to be tough. Like I'm. You know, whatever. But I'm just like, all right, let's go. I want to impress this girl. Bring her out to another place. We go out and she orders uh, a couple of drinks. Drinks come. She sips hers, sends it back. And I'm just like, fucking hey, that's embarrassing. Like, what? how do you send a fucking drink back? But whatever. Sends a drink back. Bartender brings new drinks. And then she loses something. It's like, we, you know, she bought something at a shop and she can't find it. She's looking on the ground for it. And there's a big table with probably six people across from us. And the bartender comes out and he's got a tray 
with like six drinks on it. And he's kind of holding it, you know, like this with all the drinks on it. And at this, you know, she's under the table kind of out of her seat on the ground. And maybe two seconds before it happened, I saw it was going to happen. She was going to stand up and she was going to nail this waiter and he was going to lose all of the drinks. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. She stood up, she nailed the tray, the drinks went like, like in a movie, flying across the table, splashing everybody. And she just ignored them. She just ignored them. Like it wasn't her issue. And I'm like talking to the guys, like, hey, guys, I'm like really sorry. And I'm like, normally I'd be like, let me, you know, let me buy you around or, you know, let me do something. But she completely just turned her back to them, got really pissed off and then decided she wanted to leave. And that was the last date that we went on. Uh, yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, I, I drove her home. She invited me in. I, you know, I kind of went in. I, I don't know what I was I was thinking, you know, like. Uh, in for a penny, in for a pound at this point. Uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I just kind of felt like she was she was going through something. I kind of felt bad. And we've been on a couple of dates. I wanted it to go well. I went in and I, I stayed for a little bit and I left. And then she sent me some weird messages the next day. And I decided not to respond for like a couple of weeks. And well, no, actually, I just no, that's not what I'm, I decided not to respond right away because I was so put off and like didn't know what to say. And then she got mean. So then I was like, fuck this, I can't respond. Um, and that was the only person I effectively ghosted because she just got really fucking mean. And I it was like, uh, well, she also just showed complete inconsideration to everybody around her the night before. I, I realized that me re engaging in this conversation was not a positive for either person. Like if, you know, if, if I get in a fight with a, you know, if I run into a bear in the backyard, I could just go back inside and keep the door closed. Or, you know, I could, I could go back inside and then walk back outside and yell at the bear and say, get off my lawn. But it's, you know, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. So just, you just stay inside. And, and I felt bad. And every, uh, somehow we have some information saved from each other, something like that. So every time I log into LinkedIn and it tells me to like at, connect with, you know, 1800 people that are in my contacts list and I click it, um, she gets an invite from me via LinkedIn and <laughs> it's only happened a couple you, of times. What's that? You got to find a way to turn that feature off. Yeah. Well, she, she sent me some really scathing messages and I don't, I don't remember. So she's that. still pissed. Yeah, well, I didn't know. I mean, she said, and I didn't realize I was sending it to her. I like, I looked through the first sixty people, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, I know. Like, why not invite them on LinkedIn? Yeah. All right. Well, that that was quite the first date. If she's still pissed about it years later, I mean, now it's got to be nine or ten years later. So, and she's uh, still mad. Uh, probably, it's probably more than ten years later. It was a, it was a while back. It was, it was lousy. Um, next question. Sorry, because we both had kind of long answers on that, but. Um, uh, we could we could do a full podcast on that. We could do a full podcast on bad dates. Next question from Henna is: Is it okay to launch a business in 2021? And yes, of course it is. You just need to look for the opportunity. You probably don't want to open a coffee shop or a sandwich shop in Midtown Manhattan or a bar because those are fucking terrible businesses. But right now, I can tell you, especially Manhattan, office space, commercial space. It's super good deals right now. You can get half a year free in, in rent and just kind of crazy build outs and things like that. And for retail space, landlords are willing to do crazy stuff for people looking for retail space. 
So in terms of opening an actual physical location, great time for that if you have a decent business model. And for any other business, if it looks like there's a demand for it, then fucking do it. Like a lot of people got the shaft and are in a really bad position after 2020. So if you have the means and you think there's a need, go after it. Just you know, make sure there's a solid demand for that. Um, would, any, would you agree with me on that? Yeah, you hit a lot of the thoughts that I had, which is one, find a need and fill it. So you, and you, you talked about a business plan is like, if you have the idea of, I want to start a business and that's your idea, you're not ready. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah. You need to have a really concrete idea of what service you want to offer, where you're going to set up all, how you're going to advertise, how you're going to fund the business, who's going to be working for you, what you're going to price your products for, how you're going to organize the business in terms of its business entity and, and knowing your market, knowing your location. If you've got the knowledge and you think that this is a segment that can grow or it's something that you have a particular expertise in that you know that you're going to be able to get people that want your service, then by all means, now's a great opportunity for all the list reasons that you just listed. But just saying, I, got, I, I always wanted to start a business. Like you need to do a lot of research. Yeah, exactly. All right. We got more questions and we're, we're, we're past the, the time limit. So I'm going to try to get them in real quick. Uh, are mimosas for breakfast a good idea? Yeah. yeah. So unless you're going to work after that or if you're yeah. at, depends on your job. At my job, I would have mimosas for breakfast. And then best breakfast drinks. This is from Victoria. Best breakfast drinks. I like an Aperol spritz or a Bloody Mary. James? I'm going to go with mimosas, actually. They're a really solid breakfast drink. I, I mean, mimosas is a good drink. Um, and then Wakas asks, what drives my business, financials or environment? Uh, I always kind of went by environment and the finances will follow. That's that's my opinion on that. Uh, but environment. I, I generally agree. Environment's really, really important because I just don't want to be miserable where I spend the majority of my time. Um why ghost women? I don't think ghosting women is a good idea at all. I don't I, think ghosting anybody is a good idea. I felt terrible after that incident and literally, again, like I said, provoking a bear. I, I, I was ready to reply, but she just got really mean and aggressive. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. But um, And I was also kind of still reeling from the event that happened because I was trying to process somebody I was into behaving in a way that I just couldn't. I couldn't understand why anyone would behave like that. And there was a big disconnect for somebody that I thought would, you know, I wanted to be in a relationship with and realizing that I probably shouldn't be because they may not be, you know, I don't know, in a good place in their life or just not a good person. I don't know, but you should never ghost anyone. And that's, it's just a really pussy way to deal with things. Yeah. You, there's a duty of respect where if you don't want to hang out with somebody, then, then have the decency to at least send them a text message and, and say, look, I, I don't think this is going to work for me. Yeah. And, you know, same thing goes with, with quitting your job. Like you should do it. You know, you shouldn't do it by text message. Like you got, I'm saying that's at the bare minimum. Break, breaking up with somebody or, you know, if, if you've been at once, you know, you know, maybe a text message or a phone call, but, but if you've been with somebody for a few times, like text message or just ghosting is total pussy move. Agree. Uh, and then, one that I just caught live because I've been trying to keep on uh, up with the live ones. 
what to do for Valentine's Day 2021. Well, if you're lucky enough to meet somebody over the last year, good for you. Congrats. Uh, it sounds like you're cooking at home this year. And uh, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty much caught up on most of these, most of these questions. Uh, you know, one thing that I was thinking about today, James, and I just wanted to add, if I came down to your city and was like, damn, this place is really shitty. Like, it's just really slow and the people are dumb as fuck. And, you know, I, like, it just doesn't make sense why anyone would live here. Would you be offended? No, I feel the same way often. <laughs> okay, well, maybe that's because you're from New York. But <laughs> um, I was thinking about it and I was, I was thinking like, you know, somebody comes to New York and they're like, oh, this place is fucking terrible. I don't see why anybody would ever want to be here. It's dirty. There's people taking shits in the street. Like, this place is really going to shit. I think pretty much anybody I know who lives in New York or is from New York is just going to say like, yeah, you're right. Like this place blows. But if you go to a city like Philadelphia or Chicago or Atlanta um, or Miami and you say to somebody who's from there and lives there, like, oh, this place fucking blows. I don't see why anybody would want to live here. They would, you'd almost end up in a fist fight with them. Like, that's where you go. But I, I think in New York, especially, uh, I can tell you that a lot of Charlestonians would take offense to what you said. Yeah. I personally don't because I'm kind of sick of this city too. But you're not claiming yourself as a Charlestonian, then. No, it's not. You don't identify with, the, and I identify a lot, you know, with and as New York City. It's my business identity, and it's you know something I've been, uh, you know, working on and, and living in for for a long time now. And somebody comes there and shit talks it, I have to agree because it is a really shitty place right now. You also moved. Yeah, true. Exactly. So who knows? Um, but on that note, uh, anything else you can think of you want to throw in there before we wrap? Nah. Well, are we done with all the questions? Uh, I, I hit most of the questions. There were some doubles. I probably skipped a handful of them. Um, but thank you guys for the submissions of the questions today. Uh, that was cool. This is episode 69, so obviously a special episode. And, uh, uh, you know, I was, I'm happy that we, could, uh, that we could answer some questions. from a, a lot of the questions came from a lot of the guys I see pretty often on the live and that follow the podcast. So keep the, keep the questions coming. Feel free to DM us. James, you want to throw out your Twitter handle? Get off my lawn 204. Get off my lawn 204 on Twitter. Haven't posted anything too recently. It's really just a place for me to put jokes that I come up with. I think that's what, what uh, Twitter is for. Uh, uh, no, I think it's for inciting violence against the government. <laughs> uh, it's really a matter of perspective. <laughs> but uh, on that note, um, tomorrow, tomorrow, I don't know when we'll be airing this episode, but tomorrow is a big day. Uh, for the country, I will have the news on the majority of the day. I don't think anything crazy is going to happen. Um, I was going to bring up some uh, MLK Day, Martin Luther King Day, uh, protests and violence that happened in New York City. Maybe we'll talk about that um, on the coming podcast. Okay. Definitely. I think we're planning to bring some guests on board. So if you're watching us now and you think you have some stuff to add or you want to ask some questions and come online with the video, let me know in advance, DM me, and, uh, and we'll bring you guys on a live episode, next episode. So uh, on that note, James, I will catch you later. All right.
Adios. Good as always. Peace. All right. That's it. I will see you guys soon. As always, thank you so much. I'm super grateful that you guys are even listening to this. And that's what's propelling us to continue doing this. Uh, So, again, thank you very much. And see you soon. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.